0: Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action. Our podcast is dedicated to the parents of children struggling with the effects of trauma and attachment disorders and the caseworkers, coordinators, and other professionals who support them. Your host, Karen Doyle-Buckwalter, will introduce you to Ana Gomez, who will discuss attachment theory and how she uses EMDR therapy with both the parent and the child. Ana M. Gomez was born in Columbia, South America. She is a psychotherapist in private practice, author of several books, chapters, and articles, and a lecturer internationally known for her innovative work with children and adolescents. She has worked with children, adolescents, adults, and families affected by trauma and adversity for almost 20 years. And now your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter.
1: Well hello everybody, I am here with the Attachment Theory in Action podcast again, and I'm so excited to be interviewing Ana Gomez, so Ana, welcome, and thank you for being willing to be interviewed.
2: Well thank you so much for inviting me, I'm just thrilled, so
1: yes, thank you. Thank you, so so um, for our listeners, could you share a little bit of your background, um, and that would give them a little more familiar, familiarity with you.
2: Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, so my name is Anna Gomez. I'm a psychotherapist um, in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm also an author and a lecturer. Um, I'm the uh, founder and the director of the Agate Institute in the United States, and we provide um, trainings, intensive trainings, um, uh, webinars, virtual trainings, on the use of EMDR therapy with children, adolescents, and adults. Um, I am the author of EMDR therapy and adjunct approaches with children, complex trauma, attachment, and dissociation, and uh, a number of chapters and books uh, for children. Um, so, I am a passionate individual, so I love the work with children. I work with uh, people of all ages, but uh, my heart is definitely with children. And working with um, children, especially with complex trauma, developmental trauma, and attachment wounds. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Well, and in fact, um, we actually met, because I know another thing that you you do is talk a lot about how to combine EMDR with other models. Um, And we actually met a number of years ago at the International TheraPlay Conference, where you were presenting um, with Emily Jernberg about um, putting, uh, using TheraPlay and also EMDR together. So that's how so how I met you, and so I also also think of you, very involved in EMDR, but also uh, sharing a lot with us about how other therapies can be combined with EMDR. Oh, absolutely, yes,
3: um, definitely my. My base is EMDR therapy, but um, I enrich it with uh, many other approaches. Absolutely, I love Theraplay, Internal Family Systems, um, Structural Dissociation Theory, Attachment Theory, um, Play Therapy, Sandtray Therapy, um, and many others that really enrich. Um, the use of EMDR therapy with children and adolescents.
1: Yes, yes. So today I wanted to talk with you a little bit more about attachment theory and how working with parents and children, and children that perhaps have attachment difficulties, complex trauma, developmental trauma, as you mentioned, and how you use EMDR with... Both the parent and the child, in some cases, um, and if you want to just share some initial thoughts about that and how EMDR can be useful for um, parents and children in that situation.
3: Oh, well, absolutely! Um, I use EMDR therapy systemically, um, and the child absolutely is a, is part of a system. So think about how you know parents' um, capacity to represent and give meaning and ultimately reflect and mirror the child's mind is critical and the role of the parent as a co-organizer and co-regulator of the child see think about how we initially discover um, even what we feel who we are by having the parent reflect back internal experiences Mm -hmm. and when that doesn't happen And um, because of the parent's own uh, wounds and unresolved trauma, the parent then is enabled to be that efficient and effective co-organizer and co-regulator of experience, you know. Mm -hmm. We know from research that the caregiver's perception of the infant and their relationship is the most relevant factor that influence parental care. So we... um, I work specifically with parents to help them heal so they can be effective and efficient co-regulators and co-organizers and can more effectively promote security, secure attachment. Yes. Yes, and oftentimes, you know, you have a child that you're using EMDR therapy with, and the child, despite all the therapist efforts, doesn't improve. So we have to look at the environment, especially the family dynamics and the parent-child relationship to see if um, there are wounding patterns uh, patterns of relating that may be... um, maintaining the symptoms and continue to wound the child.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I really like um, your book which we have to at the end tell everybody where to get it. It's just so wonderful. But one of the things I really love about it is it's so rich in science and Um, things that we know from research, but yet you have so many practical things, too. And one of the practical things I just thought of while you were talking is this idea of how you hold a mirror up in in front of you and talk to the parent about how they mirrored to their child their, their child's emotional experience. I just thought that was fantastic. Oh,
3: thank you. Yes, because, you know, how we help the parent is not by, you know, shaming the parent, but, you know, we have to remember a lot of these parents come in with a caregiving system that is collapsed, that is abdicated, and we are helping them rebuild a caregiving system, you know, with analogies, with metaphors, with care, by also us providing... To the parent what the parent didn't have mm-hmm. like adequate mirroring any act of triumph that you know from the parent I mirror it and I invite them also you know to look at the mirror and see you know this is how the child sees the self so when we come into the world we are not a we don't know who we are and we see the self through the eyes of the parent so what you see is what I will end up seeing in myself. So if you see a child that is worthy of love, that is worthy of care, um, that is lovable, then eventually that will go inside the mind of the child. So to help the parent understand, yeah, I try to uh, make it so concrete and clear for the parent, because this concept may may be um, sometimes quite difficult to understand. Yes you need to you know, make it very clear for them so they use an anal- of analogies, metaphors, and objects even to explain this deep concept, I think, is, is extremely important.
1: Yes, yes. And so my understanding, too, and I think some of us who, who work with children with complex trauma and maybe parents who have a trauma in their background you're talking here about not just doing EMD, EMDR with the child, but potentially also doing EMDR with the parent in order for them to, as you said, not have these traumas in their own history intruding on how they care for their child. Absolutely,
3: yes. That's, that's the systemic approach. And I very much believe in not only the parent receiving EMDR therapy, but the the parents as well yeah uh, I oftentimes I'm not the person providing uh, direct treatment to the parent but someone else in my team and I think that team approach is very powerful um, we can teach parents um, you know parenting skills uh, from a more cognitive perspective but when the memory systems containing information about traumatic events and adversity become activated. Now the parent sees the child through the lenses of those memory systems and is going to react and respond based on those um, the lenses, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and as a result, may see someone that is distorted and not able to see the child as the child really is.
1: Yes, well, you know, some of the research that you cited in your book about um, parents looking at videos and I think reflects exactly what you're talking about. I remember reading once also about circle of security videos and how um, in the strange situation protocol that they used in circle of security, they would ask the mother, um, you know, what they thought, was going on with their baby when they left the room, mm-hmm. and the, ba- the mothers would, would see the children as being very difficult um, and you know, really having, not having to view, you know, my child's upset because they need me, um, and so, you know, it really can impact how we see that behavior from the child based on our own history absolutely yes
3: and you're you're right i use um a lot of videos with parents because it's it's about helping them discover and so many people have used videos you know in their play videos Uh are used uh, circle security Um, but the video really allows a parent to understand in greater depth what it means to mentalize you know mentalizing capacities as we know predict the attachment status of the, the, the children um, better than even the adult attachment interview. So um, it is important to help the parents hold the child's mind in mind and for that the use of videos can be very very powerful to help the parents see in a, in a non um, shaming way you know not threatening way but really inviting the parent to notice you know I ask questions such as you know what what do you notice what do you feel as your child is doing this here Um what do you think your child is feeling uh what do you think your child needs in that you know moment those are all questions directed to help the parent hold the child's mind in mind yeah and i think very powerful and that's very much part of preparation phase of emdr therapy yeah Not only, preparation phase is way more complex than what we think. It's not, you know, what we learn in in our basic training is, you know, safe place protocol uh, being the preparation phase. But with kids with developmental trauma, early chronic trauma, complex trauma, you know, preparation phase will have many layers, one of which will be working with the caregiver.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, and I I I think that is so important in terms of understanding those different layers that we have to think about with this population, that we can't just follow the exact protocol, and I think that's why people such as yourself are, are trying to get additional training out there beyond the basic protocol for, that is taught for EMDR in Level 1 and Level 2
3: right yes because again the complexity of working with developmental trauma is pretty high and as a result we have a treatment um, that needs to involve different layers of preparation and even as we get to uh, the present phases of EMDR therapy uh, sometimes we cannot just dive in into the memories because the child doesn't have enough affect tolerance mm-hmm. and we have do it in a gentle way. Sometimes we have to titrate it and pendulate as we go into the memories of trauma, just access a bit of it, layer the amount of trauma, come back into a resource, come back into how it is, how things are now versus how things were there. So even then we need advanced strategies to be able to access the memories of trauma with the child. But parallel to the work that we're doing with the child, then the parent is also working on healing, working through memories of adversity and trauma that really impact their ability to parent.
1: Yes, yes. So would you say that if you are working with with um, children with developmental trauma, children um, who've had disrupted attachments, you would recommend you're going to need to get more tools than the, the basic training that we go through in EMDR?
3: Oh, absolutely. Um, EMDR therapy is a pretty complex therapeutic approach. And the basic training, as good as it is, you know, provides the, the foundational skills. Mm-hmm. Basic training is only six days, and EMDR therapy is a complex uh, uh, therapeutic approach. So definitely, the basic training provides the, the foundational skills, and then after that, we need to add, you know, um, advanced strategies to work with children with. You know, affect dysregulation, or children that are extremely constricted. You know, you have kids that feel too much, kids that feel too little, and we need to be able to work with these two sides of the spectrum. For that, we need advanced strategies, yes. and advanced trainings.
1: Yes, it's. I think some times people maybe if they're not real familiar with EMDR the the main thing they think of is the bilateral stimulation and it's just so much bigger than that isn't it
3: absolutely yes Um, the bilateral stimulation is one component of EMDR therapy but as I said before, it's a complex therapeutic approach with A faces. And each of the faces, you know, they each have their own um, complexities, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so definitely we need to tailor still the, the treatment for the unique um, qualities, capacities, and unique characteristics of each case.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something, shifting gears a little bit here, because this isn't directly related to EMDR, it's more related to attachment theory and working dyadically with parents and children. You know, we recently, I have an attachment-based therapist Facebook page, and there was recently a discussion on there about parents and If parents aren't open and willing and cooperative to be involved and to look at themselves and their contribution, maybe, you know, then that's not the right person for the kind of therapy an attachment-based therapist is going to be doing. But I was thinking when in your book, when you say about the three levels of involvement of parents. Um, Some people want to clean the house, some people want to clean the room, and some people just want to clean the table. And I just thought that was like, so, so maybe we can't be so rigid about who we think can do this and who can't and kind of slice it thinner. Tell me a little bit about that analogy and how you thought of that and how you think of that in your work.
3: Well, so, you know, again, you know, you have parents that want to be highly involved and parents that may not be ready. And I want to emphasize that because in my experience, you may have parents that now don't want to clean up the house, you know. And yes. for our audience, I want to clarify not not wanting to clean up the whole house. It's just wanting the therapist to just work with the child and don't get me involved, you know. <laughs> Versus parents that say, "Okay, you know, I'll clean up the house." That means um, the therapist is going to work with the child, and in addition to that, the parent is going to also go through EMDR therapy, eight phases of EMDR therapy. Um, so some some of the parents may not be ready, but I have parents that months later they call and say, "Okay, and I think I'm ready now to clean up the house." <laughs> uh, so. You know, we have to be patient with them, and and you know, one of the things that have helped me, with you know, have so much compassion for parents is, we have to remember that a lot of the parents that engage in wounding interactions with their children, they carry a wounded little child inside. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah themselves, and you know, if they are engaging in wounding interactions with the parent with the child, it's not because I intentionally want to harm my child, but because they're very wounded themselves, yeah. And sometimes it takes time, care, compassion, mirroring, Mm -hmm. um. For this parent to truly understand that going to therapy is not because, you know, I'm a terrible parent, I'm shameful, but, hey, don't we all need it in this planet, you
1: know?
3: Right. Um, We all have wounds to heal. Right. And when we do it in a way that is, you know, compassionate and caring and loving, parents eventually see um The importance of doing their own work. So I think eventually parents are able to join us and do the full treatment. may not happen right away, and we have to be patient. It's not going to happen just by us saying, okay, miss, you know, uh, mom, mom, you need therapy. And they say no, well, that's it. They don't want to do it. Right. But. The whole process of engaging them, teaching them in a gentle way, in a way that they understand attachment theory, um, and then engaging them with, again, mirroring compassion. And eventually, you know, when they truly get it and understand it, I think most parents will be willing. I know that there are some that won't. Right. But I always say we have to be like MacGyver. I don't know if our audience remembers MacGyver years ago, you know. Yes. <laughs> he created a bomb with you know toothpaste and a donut sometimes we have just maybe one parent cooperating and you know the therapist and that's all we have and sometimes we may not even have the cooperation of the parents we still do the best with what we have
1: yeah so so so, um, what you're saying is even the parent that's only willing to clean the table you would still work with the child with the hopes of eventually getting the parent more on board? Is there any point at which you would say, wow, the way I work is just not going to work for these folks?
3: Well, you know what? I I rarely just give up because I always have hope. And yes. I, and again, I know that sometimes the refusal of the parent, the initial refusal, re- refusal It's due to even their own shame, you know? Mm -hmm. Admitting that, hey, I do need help, is probably admitting that I'm shameful, I'm not a good enough parent, and it, that's hard. Being a parent is difficult. So I think that you know, if we do it with care, you know, the use of videos, the use of examples, like the mirror, analogies, metaphors, normalizing the need for help. All of us need helpers. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, they they see it in a way that is not shameful.
1: I just love your optimism. It's so (laughs) refreshing. And, you know, because also what we know is um, we have to model what we want the parent to be with their child. You know, the whole idea um, in child-parent psychotherapy and reflective supervision and all of that, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto others. So, I mean, I think you're giving us a very good reminder if we want... Our parents to be patient and attuned and and um, really trying to understand their child. We have to model that to them, right? Um, as yes. they may not have ha- they they may not hold internal experiences of that from their history. So we're we're actually having to create that for them for maybe the first time. <clears throat> That's true. We need to create that space and mm-hmm. a space that that probably no one had for them.
3: Yeah. You know? A lot of the parents I work with, um, they don't know what it is to be mirror. You know, they don't know what it is to um, see themselves through the eyes of another that is accepting and caring and loving. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
3: So we are providing a lot of these um, things for the parents. Mm-hmm. Again, we're rebuilding the caregiving system. Yeah, And we don't rebuild it by just saying, you guys need therapy.
1: <laughs> you don't? That doesn't work all the time. we <laughs> complex phrases
3: like that. that. involves a compassionate heart. Yeah. You know? Well, yes. before therapy we... everything is open and willing to yeah. do the work.
1: Well, before we, we wind down here, which I, I know we're getting close to that point, I want to be able to share at the end... Um, your trainings and more about your where to get your book. But I I wonder if listeners might be wondering if they don't work in a team, if they can't do a team approach, um, would you support the same therapist that's doing some EMDR with the child also doing some EMDR with the parent if they weren't in a situation to work in a team?
3: Well, I do believe the team is the best approach.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
3: and, and let me tell you why, because, um, and, and and I have been the therapist of a the team, but I also been the therapist doing everything. Mm-hmm. And when you have a child with complex trauma, it's very difficult for one person to hold an entire family, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need help, other helpers. You may not have another therapist in your practice, but you may know someone in another practice that works along the lines of, you know, using attachment theory, using EMDR therapy, um And that may work as well. Mm -hmm. What doesn't work is when you have two therapists working from completely different approaches. Mm -hmm. That has not worked for me ever.
1: Right, right. Now,
3: if you enter into, you know, you being the therapist for the parent or the child, you're entering into a gray area that is doable. However, you know, you have to be aware of the gray area. Um, I have done that with younger children. I do avoid that with older kids and teenagers, you know, Mm -hmm. but you have to be aware and think ahead of time and in advance of all the, you know, the boundaries, um, and enter the gray area mindfully and intentionally.
1: Yeah. Sometimes,
3: you know, you're the only therapist that say that is, um, uh, in a rural area. Right. There's not much choice, you know, so I think it has to be very clear in the mind of the therapist why you are being the therapist for all, you know, Mm -hmm. and mindfully, you know, make that choice.
1: Yes. And maybe um, you need to be sure if you have that situation, you have to have some good supervision, too, to help you deal with that, maybe. But I I appreciate you bringing it up because I had in my mind, you know, some folks are in rural places and. It's, it's really uh, hard to find therapists who kind of speak your language and are going to be able to team with you. So if you are going to do it, do it very mindfully and carefully and thoughtfully. So I think that's, I think that's good. Yes, yes. yes, yes. yes. absolutely yes well um, it's been so good to talk with you I could talk with you for days actually (laughs) but um, as as we're (laughs) wrapping up I want um, people to know um, where to get your book and I know you're offering different specialized training so you know your website, whatever you have. How can people access this this great fund of knowledge that you have for us around these issues? Well, Karen,
3: thank you. Wow. So of course, uh, my one of my books, the EMDR therapy and adjunct approaches. You can get it through you know my you know publishing company. Or Amazon, of course, is available. But I invite you to go to my website, www.ana, A-N-A, Gomez, G-O-M-E-Z, .org. Um, all the information is there, information about um, trainings, books, um, so pretty much everything is there. Um, I also have a website with the Agate Institute, right now they're repairing the website uh, but eventually you will be able to access the www.agateinstitute.org.
1: Okay, well wonderful. and. Uh, Thank you so much for your time and for your willingness to have an interview today. So goodbye for now.
3: Thank you so much, Karen, for inviting me. This was great. Have a wonderful rest of the
1: day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank
3: you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, TraumaAttachmentCenter.com, or subscribe to our iTunes channel for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our broadcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, log on to TraumaAttachmentCenter.com. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, developmental trauma, and attachment theory.